Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. My goal today is that you just simply change how you speak entirely forever. Simple goal, easy to accomplish. Simply change how you speak entirely, 100% forever. So we all good on, on that goal? That's the goal for today, all right? Good. All right, let's read these verses in James. It says this, uh, James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, starts out talking about the tongue, the ability to tame the tongue. And he says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You know, so many pe- people, especially young people, want to become pastors and leaders and teachers. And, 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 and there's many of us that are in teaching positions as coaches or teachers in schools and, and all of the, uh, so many different areas. If you're a parent, you're a teacher. And James is saying, listen, be careful wanting to tell everybody what to do because you're going to be held to the words that you speak. And he goes on to next, the next verse and he says, because we all stumble in many ways. Everybody has their different hang-ups and screw-ups and If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. He's a perfect man. He's connecting perfection with what you speak. And he says also, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And he's beginning to use this imagery. In verse 4, he goes on and says, now look at the ships also. Though they are so large... And are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Verse 6, he says, in the tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. How many people feel encouraged right now? You feel uplifted? (laughs) Pastor Joel Osteen, James, is helping us right now. He says, for every kind of beast and bird, every reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. What I love about James is uh, you can tell he's been a pastor for 30 years, you know. He's just had enough. Like, he's, he's tried to say this the nice way, but now he's just being brutally honest. It's like James and the Holy Spirit. Just say it. Go ahead. Just say it. It's set on fire from hell. But now watch this. This is pretty amazing. He creates a really cool juxtaposition here. And if you've... you've you know, follow Jesus for any period of time or been around the church, you, you see this juxtaposition holds true. He says, with the same tongue, we bless our Lord, our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We worship in the auditorium and curse in the parking lot. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? How could it? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I pray today that, that our lives begin to yield fresh water. 
Not salty water, not bitter water, but fresh water. Let's pray together. Lord, right now, will you come and will you speak to us, Lord? I do pray, God, that today's the day that you, you awaken us uh, to wisdom in a brand new way, that you help us, God, uh, be able to um, truly begin to walk in new levels of wisdom and, and help us, Lord, help us do this thing, which is James is calling us to do, which is so difficult, which is to tame our tongue. Help us, Lord God, because today we want to change how we speak forever. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. You know, uh, psychologists will tell you if you're trying to make changes into your future, the way that you make changes isn't many times the big transformative ways we would first think of, but actually through small habits that are done every day. They say what you do every day is more important than what's, what you do big, but once in a while. You know, and, and so when psychologists will tell you about changing your future or changing your life, they'll first actually go to your habits, which are reoccurring patterns that you do every single day. That's what actually produces patterns, produce your life. And so they'll, they'll say things like, you know, if you want to change, what you first and foremost have to do is you have to look at what time you wake up in the morning. And, and you have to set a specific time every single day. You know, or, or they'll say um, you need to look at your diet or your exercise. You need to actually have more than a to-do list, you need to have a calendar. They'll, they'll begin to help you with these very practical patterns that are really habits that will help you, you know, change your life. I, I heard of one psychologist that was speaking with a young woman. She said, I'm so tired. I'm not motivated. I'm, I'm always low-key, low energy. All I want to do every single day after work is go home and watch Netflix every single day till I go to bed. And after going through a bunch of tests and everything, the psychologist said, what do you eat every day? And when she brought out what her diet was and they diagrammed it out, he, was, he realized that her amount of intake was practically starving herself. He said, no wonder you have no energy, motivation, or drive. What you are fulfilling yourself is not enough to produce any fruitfulness in your life. You have to change your diet. And many times we even think we need a spiritual awakening. We need something massive to change. And that is true. But after that, you need to begin to just work on the very practical things that God has given you the ability to shift and change and, and, and um, correct in your life in order pr to produce your future life. And, and all of that's true. And all of that's important. And, and I, I hope to speak even more on that on another time. But, but James who has been a pastor, which is a practical psychologist, for a long time, 30 years of seeing people's mistakes and, and frustrations and, and fruitlessness, he backs this, the, 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 he goes to the, the sole motivation of your entire life. He goes even deeper than the psychologist. He goes further than the psychologist. He says, before you work on your calendar and your diet and before you work on your, you know, your, your environment and who you're around, first and foremost, you must look at your speech, at your tongue. James says it actually, your tongue, this is what he proposes, is that your tongue is the foremost catalyst in your entire life. It is the foremost habit. It is the catalyst motivation for your entire life. If you get this wrong, does not matter what your diet is, what your exercise is, what your job title is, what time you wake up in the morning, or how successful you are even perceived in the world. If you do not get your tongue right, eventually your life will collapse in on itself. If you don't get your speech right, eventually your environment will become toxic. First and foremost, you must, James says, tame or control your tongue. And James is, is uh, he, he knows about the power of speech. His, his, um, his 
book is actually a mixture of Jesus' speech on the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say on the tongue. And, and so here James is melding these th- two things together. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. And he was next to brother of Jesus who is the wisest person to ever live. Even if you don't believe Jesus is God, there's no mistake that he's the greatest leader who's ever lived, who's produced the greatest movement that's ever, that the world has ever seen. He's an incredible leader. And James is looking at the leadership in Proverbs and the leadership of his brother, and he pulls it together for us and says, if you want to lead, if you want to teach, if you want to have a good future, you got to get this thing right. He begins to try and convince us about the power of our words. Even if you go to the book of Genesis, you see that the... The, the foremost creative force in the world is the spoken word. The spoken word literally makes the universe. That's why you've heard that phrase, your words create worlds. Because you're made in the image and likeness of God. And when God wanted to make a world, he spoke it into existence. Your words are a creative force that leave you and go into the atmosphere and they begin to affect change. If you don't think that's true, walk into a room where people were just arguing and tell me that there's not an atmosphere that was created in that room. You don't know what it is. You don't know how it got there, but I got to get out of this room. Or have you ever walked up to someone and they've been talking about you? You didn't hear that they've been talking about you, but based on the atmosphere around them, you've just been talking about me. Ever walk up in that situation? And when you say, what are you talking about? Then they obviously lie. Oh, we're talking about NASA. We're just thinking about solar system. We see in Genesis that the word is the foremost creative force. And you know, the Bible says in Revelation, when Jesus returns, he's going to return with an army of angels behind him. But the Bible says that he will have a sword that comes from the mouth of God and destroys his enemies. It's a picture about the powerful force of the word. It's able to create and it's able to destroy the enemies of God. When Jesus speaks, the Bible says the word is like a two-edged sword. It cuts away the flesh and leaves the spirit. It cuts away evil and leaves right. It cuts away ungodliness and leads, leaves godliness that your words are piercing and powerful because his word is piercing and powerful. This is why you need to know the word so that you will be able to cut away the lie from the truth. And James is he's speaking to us about this, saying you need to know how powerful your words are. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that the power of life and death itself are found in the tongue. You know, it actually even says that your words, the words of a righteous man, will end up rescuing him. In other words, if you find yourself in an ambush, in a trap, in a cycle, in a place where you can't get out of, it's saying use your words to begin to speak life over yourself, freedom over yourself, liberty over yourself, because it will rescue you out of a broken place. Your words can lead you somewhere. It'll rescue you. You know, one ancient writer uh, created this visual saying, when God created the tongue, it was so powerful that he put around it two walls and put it in its own cage and had doors seal over it. Because you have to think very clearly when you're going to decide to use it. That you open the doors, you unlock it from its cage, because be careful, this thing is like a wild animal. You got to set a guard on it. The psalmist says, I've put a guard on my tongue, and I've set a watchman on my lips. Be careful what you allow yourself to say, because there's no such thing as speaking flippantly. You might do it, 
but there's no such thing as the consequence being no big deal. You might speak like it's no big deal, but the reality is it is a big deal. Everything you say is powerful, so beware even how you say it. I want to I wanna just do a quick in, uh, exercise with you today. I want to introduce you today to the leader of your life. Will you do something with me real quick? Just stick your tongue out real quick. Just Go ahead. None of you are doing it. Just go ahead. Do it. In church, you can do it. I know your mom said it's bad manners, but right now, just everyone's just in disobedience. I'm not doing it. Turn to your neighbor. Just stick your tongue out. No, I'm kidding. Don't do it. Don't do it. Your tongue is the foremost leader in your life. It will begin to guide you to a certain place. It will begin to direct you in a certain way. It will literally call down blessings or cursing upon you and everyone around you. It is a very powerful thing. And here is James, the pastor. And after 30 years of pastoring, after 30 years about around being around Jesus and the Pharisees, by the way, because he saw how Jesus spoke and he sees how they speak. After being around that, he begins to figure out that there is a correlation here between how you speak and how you live. He figured out that eventually how you speak will create how you live. He's found this correlation. And, and here's what I would propose to you today. And, and I really believe this is what James is pr proposing, that you need to, that we must get control of your tongue or your life eventually will get out of control. You must control, get control of your tongue or your life will eventually get out of control. The positive of that is if you can control your tongue, eventually your life can come into alignment. Amen? So powerful. My, my, um, recently, my wife and I decided to go to Disney World, and um, we brought our kid, so it wasn't as weird. We brought our four-year-old, and uh, he loves animals, and he's like a, like a genius, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a zoologist maybe, and he knows all about animals, and so we thought we'd take him to Animal Kingdom, you know, which is the worst Disney park, if, you're, if you don't know. It's just the worst. Uh, <laughs> I love that I offend a couple people there. Uh, and on the way, we, uh, for our trip, we decided to rent a minivan just to test the waters, you know, just to, just to look into our future and see if we liked, you know, how it felt. Let me just tell you guys, I loved it. I, I'm all in on the minivan experience. I've never driven better. I've never, the amount of cup holders, the amount of cup holders <laughs> is astonishing. I don't know who designed this thing but they should work in our government. It's amazing. It's just truly amazing, you know. She didn't like it. It was ironic. You know, I, I loved it. She had a little bit of a problem with it, you know, and uh, uh, she was a little embarrassed. I, I got to say, maybe, maybe it's because of why I'll tell you, though. I'll tell you why. Uh, because when we were driving up, we're down in South Florida, but when we are driving up to Disney, um, we, we were kind of seeing all these cars coming in the opposite direction, and they looked like they were all off-roading. They were covered in mud and dirt and all this different stuff. And I'm looking at these cars saying, what is happening? You know, are these people just coming from an expedition of some sort? But they're Priuses, you know, so I know it's not off-roading. And so, so we're, we're, we're just stumped. What is, is this, you know? And as we're driving close, we see just like a, like a gray sheet in front of us. It looks like it's raining, but it's a beautiful day out. Can't figure out what it is. Come to find out. Three, two or three times a year, Florida has like an infestation of locusts. They're called love bugs, but it's like Revelation-style, open-the-earth locusts that come out, 
And when we drove into them, it was like driving into a hailstorm. It's like we're taking on enemy fire. Things like, pop, 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 pop. like popcorn all over. Pop, 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 pop. And I've never seen anything like it. Nobody warned me about any of this. It's getting everywhere. And so I think, let me just turn on the windshield wipers. And oh, oh have you been through the love bug fiasco? Here's what's worse. I went to click the, the washer fluid, and we had no fluid in the... And so I'm just, I'm just wiping. I'm just wiping bug guts all, all over our windshield. And it's getting worse. Every successive wipe, it's getting worse. I'm trying to stop it. They're going faster. I thought I was going to have to be like Ace Ventura, you know, driving with my head out the window, getting all lug bugs in my teeth. It was horrible. So we pulled over as soon as we could, and and, uh, and there was just like hundreds of people at this rest stop. You know, just everyone was like commiserating. It was like church. It's like we all got this problem and we're all trying to encourage each other, help each other out. We're passing around the gas station, you know, a little squeegee thing, you know. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, you're, you're having to, you know, get it off the windshield. And, and you had to stop like every 40 miles. That's what I found. Around every 40 miles, you had to, to pull over. And then you see the same people, you know, and you're getting to know them. You're like, hey, how's your kid, you know. It's like, uh, it's like we're like a, like a Bedouin caravan, you know, and, and it, was, it was really a unique experience, you know, and uh, uh, it, what, what, was, what was so interesting about this is like, is like if you didn't get these bugs fully off, when you pulled back onto the highway, that so many more would get on that, it, it, that you would literally not be able to see where you were going, you know, and, and like this is what I think is maybe... It's like a picture of the problem with our culture right now, is we have such an infestation of negative speaking, an extreme, critical speech. It, it almost doesn't matter what road you choose. It almost doesn't matter who you vote for. It almost doesn't matter what church you go to. Whatever direction you try and go, you're getting hit by an infestation of criticalness and anger and negativity. And, 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 and I'm, 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 I'm here today to, to pull your caravan over and squeegee your windshield off of the junk and the dirt that's gotten all over you. Because if, if you're not careful, you'll think it's normal. Everyone else looks like this. Everyone else is covered in all this junk. Everyone else is all over the road, you know, so we are too. But, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean you're not caught in the middle of a massive infestation of critical speech. And, and so this is what Sundays do. This is what worship does. It squeegees your vision. It squeegees off your life that you can begin to go in the right direction. And by the end of today, I'm going to hand this squeegee to you and say, now, you got to be intentional about pulling over in your life and beginning to squeegee the junk off of your life. You need to get the worship squeegee out. You need to get the word squeegee out. You need to, you need to get the crew, small group, squeegee out. Because let me tell you, it's every 40 miles. It's not like once a year. Every week, every day, you need to be intentional about getting the junk of the world out of your vision. And, and let, me, let, me take it one step, let me take it one step further. You need, to, you need to make sure that you get it fully and completely off of you because if you leave it on, you're going to have a problem. See, one, one of the things I didn't realize, I'm just squeegeeing the windshield. Everyone else is washing their whole car. 
with that. And I'm saying, that is disgusting. They're washing their hood and the windshield wipers and the, the, and I'm thinking, I don't need my lights right now. Why are you guys doing this? I figured out why. Because when you park your car in the 9,000 degree Floridian sun, it bakes those carcasses into the enamel of the paint. I washed that car legitimately four times before I brought it back to the rental, and I didn't get any of those bugs off that vehicle. Listen, you gotta, you gotta get this stuff off or eventually it starts getting baked into you. It starts getting baked into your heart and baked into your soul. It starts getting baked into your mind. You begin to use words. In fact, you start adding to the infestation because everyone's doing it. I'm just adding to the infestation, not knowing something got on the inside of you. Something got on your words. Something got on your thoughts that it's, it's, it's an environment that you should never be a part of propagating. You got to get that junk off of you. You know what's funny is uh, I, I, I don't I don't know if I should tell you this part or if I'm taking this metaphor too far, but one of the squeegees that I had to try and get all the junk off, and I'm putting it in the bucket, and I'm, I'm trying to get all these bugs off. I, I, I saved it because I thought, you know, we're going to encounter this problem again. And I threw it in the back of the, of, the, of the van, and after a while, we're driving around and saying, man, it starts this. It's kind of smelling weird, you know? Like, this smells like a dead fish. Like, it's, do we hit a skunk? I'm, it, took, it took us, I wish, I wish... I, we were smarter than this. It took us two full days to figure out that it was the thousands of rotting insect carcasses in the back of our van was getting into, like, was getting into, like, the, the, the polyester seats. You know what I'm saying? It was getting in, into the environment. But let me tell you, some of you have taken the negativity that's come on you, and you've allowed, you've allowed it to get in you. You brought it in your home. You open your door to the infestation, and you close the door, and pretty soon this decaying, uh, uh, scent of death. It's in your living room. It's just how you speak now. It's just how you talk to each other. It's just how you react to your kids now, and it stinketh. And today what I'm saying is we need to get the squeegee out. We need to get, we need to get some new apparatuses here. We need to wash the car a couple times, and then we need to know going forward what we're driving into and be very aware of the fact that our environment might get on us, but it cannot get in us. And just because it's happening around us doesn't mean it needs to become us. But your words can go in and it can literally begin to change who you are, who others are. And I believe that God can uh, literally use you to bring a different environment around you. Can you say amen? Amen. So this is what James is trying to tell us. This is what James is is trying to allude to is is really how your words work. And to do that, he uses three visual illustrations. And you can tell he's a a great preacher because he's using these visual illustrations to simplify these big concepts. And and the first verse that he uses is verse 3. And he says, uh, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. What, see, what James is talking about here is the power, the innate power of your words. And he uses this image of a horse. And, and back then, you know, horses were, were, were very rare, reserved for dignitaries and, and kings, and, and uh, they were animals of war, powerful means of transportation that, that uh, we really have been the, the most powerful transportation up until modern day. And you've heard of horse power. These animals were strong. They were powerful. And what James is talking about is he's saying there's a lot of power in your words to take you somewhere. 
But if you do not handle this animal correctly, it's going to take you on a wild ride. Because, see, the process of being able to use horses as a transport, I don't know if you know this, but you have to break a horse. And part of that is by, by, uh, by taming it so that you could put a saddle on it and a bit on its mouth so that it will go in the direction you want it to go. Without a horse being broken, it is absolutely useless. It's a wild stallion. It's a bucking bronco. And this thing will take you on a wild ride unless it's tamed. And so what James is saying is you need to make sure you begin to get control of this animal or else this thing will take you on a ride that you are going to get thrown off of. You are not prepared for the power of this thing unless you harness the horsepower of this animal, this, this, this tongue that you have. Because here's what you have to know. What comes naturally to you and out of you, it won't take you forward. Just what comes naturally, it's wild. What comes naturally, it's all over the place. What comes naturally, it will throw you off. You need to figure out how to harness what comes naturally, tame what comes naturally, and then you can steer it in a certain direction. And then you can go further than you could go on your own. And then you can really begin to get some transportation in your life. But what comes naturally, it won't just take you forward. In other words, what would just come out of your mouth, you must be very, very careful because it can hurt you more than it can help you. And this is what James is speaking about. He's saying you need to put a bit in the mouth so that when you turn left, your words will go left. When you turn right, your words will go right. And here's the beautiful thing. You know us. We're not so much in control. And James, I think, kind of bakes into the illustration here. And you're not going to be able to do this. So hand the reins to the Holy Spirit. Hand the reins to the Holy Spirit. I don't quite know what to do or say or not to do or say. So Holy Spirit, let me know. And if you give the Holy Spirit permission, you know he will pull on the reins all the time. He'll pull on the reins all the time. Have you ever gotten in an argument with someone or said something, you walked away all justified, and the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh-uh, nope, nope. And you cannot move forward in life. You go to pray, you go to go to church, and the Holy Spirit's holding you back. Say, go say sorry. Hey, go say sorry. Hey, go say sorry. All right, I'll go say sorry. I'll go say sorry. He'll be faithful to do it. The other day, I was, I was, uh, the other day I was, I said something just flippantly. I was with a friend and I, I just said like, ah, I don't, I don't even know about that thing, you know, that place or whatever. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, don't say that. And so as I was saying it, I'm trying to get quicker in saying I'm sorry. You know, I'm trying to get faster, trying to get my, my time down, you know. As I was saying, I don't know, and my friend was going, yeah. I said, I shouldn't have said that. He goes, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all good. It's the Holy Spirit. Nope, don't say that. I'm telling you, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to tame your tongue, the more powerful it's going to become. More powerful what you say. What you say will matter more. It will be taken more seriously. One woman came to John Wesley, the great revivalist preacher, and she said, "Uh, Brother John, I know what my special gift, my special talent, the gift that God has given me is. I finally figured it out. John Wesley said, well, what is it? She says, God has given me the gift to speak my mind. John Wesley said, I think God would be all right if you buried that gift again. (laughs) There are some things that will not take you forward. There are some things that will take you all over the place. There are some things that will overpower you. And what James is saying is you need to get into concert with the Holy Spirit on this thing so that you're going to be able to reign in your words, that when you use them, they will be used effectively and not all over the place. Can you say amen? Amen.
The next image James gives us in verse 4 is he says, look at the ships also. Though they're so large, they're driven by strong winds, but they're guided by a very small rudder. It's underneath the water. It's almost even unseen, but it has authority over a mighty ship. And, And what James is speaking about is the fact that you have the ability with your tongue to navigate through life. And even when winds come and storms rise, sometimes you can't have control over the winds that are going to come into your life and the storms that are going to rise, but you can react to them with your words in a certain way. And i got to tell you, it's just amazing how many times what I thought was a storm was actually some wind power that God was trying to bring into my prayer life or some, some wind power that God was trying to bring in my life to get me out of a certain place into another place. But you have to direct with your words. Let me say it this way. You navigate life with your words. You navigate your direction with your words. You can't control the wind. You can't control the storms, but you can control where life will take you with your words. Say they're that powerful. This is what James is saying. Maybe we miss, maybe we underestimate how powerful our words are. We think they're tiny. We think they're small. It's just one little tiny love bug, but times 50,000 all of the sudden, you get caked on by a million love bugs. You realize one little word times a thousand eventually can create a whole environment. You need to understand how powerful your little words are in bringing you where you want to go, taking you where maybe you don't want to go. Because here's the reality. You know, your words are so powerful. That they're so convincing. They even won't convince you. Have you ever heard the phrase, you talk yourself out of something? Have you ever talked yourself out of something? How's that possible? You are yourself. How can you convince yourself of something you don't really want to be convinced of? You are you. You could just say no, you know. But that's how powerful your own words are. They not only can instigate others. They not only can can convince others. Your words are so powerful that when you speak them out, the Bible says you eat from the fruit of your own words. They can either nourish you or poison you. Your words are so powerful, they will even convince you. And so sometimes when you're going to take a step of faith, the enemy will come in, ask you a bunch of questions to get you to speak negatively. Sometimes when you're about to move forward, you have to be careful about how you're going to speak moving forward. Listen, even in the middle of a storm, be careful how you speak about the storm. Because the storm could be used to bring you to a greater place. If you just steer the water, uh, the, the rudder, and you grab the wind, this storm can bring you somewhere, but you gotta speak a certain way about it. You gotta change your perception. Maybe it's not happening to you, maybe it's happening for you. And you have to be careful that you are not negative about every circumstance that comes your way. Because then, I'm telling you, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It will come in alignment with your words. Every circumstance will become negative if you talk about it negatively. But sometimes there are frustrating, difficult-to-understand things that God will use in a powerful way if you would change your perception and your talk about it. I don't know why this is happening, but I know who God is. I know it's going to be good. I don't, I don't really agree. I'm really, really frustrated, but I do know what God has done before. That's why your testimony is so powerful, because it's a word of what God has done before, activating what he can do again. You with me? So powerful. 
Even, even in my life, and I've, I've told you this before, where I was, you know, um, had a difficulty in, you know, in, 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 in crowds, and not crowds like this. This, this, this I like, but when, when other people are all talking, you know, I, I like to be the only one talking, I guess is what I'm saying. But I, I would struggle with, with you know, what I, what I came to call social anxiety. And I, I began to talk about it all the time to my wife. I just, I just let her become the sounding board for all my negativity. And I'm, I'm saying, you know how I am. And this is just what I did. And this is how I grew up. And, that's what I, and you know my, my reaction. And, you, you know, as if it's like it's a foregone conclusion. I, you, know, I, you know, I don't like crowds. And you, know, and, you know, I parse every word. And did, was that stupid? Did I say something dumb? Was that dumb? That was dumb. And all of a sudden, I'm getting filled. I'm getting filled with something. I'm eating of my own fruit. I'm getting, feeling like I'm filled with anxiety. Yeah, but you're filling yourself with anxiety. You need to change how you speak. It's not even that I'm saying don't have those feelings. I'm saying you don't have to speak amen to those feelings. And I remember my wife said, I've heard enough of you talk about this. Stop talking like this. And it stung. It hurt a little bit when she said it like that. It was like how the Holy Spirit speaks. Cut it out. Okay. I'm telling you, God had to set me free. And you know when God set me free, I felt within that. that God set me, in one moment of worship, God said, no more, no more. And a lot of it was about how you talk. Don't talk like that. So the same situation, I'm going to talk about it differently. I like people, and they like me. I'm not nervous. I'm funny. I'm really funny. They might not laugh, but that doesn't mean I'm not funny. I think I'm hilarious. I'll laugh at my own joke. When I walk away, I'm not worried about what they're going to say behind my back. When I walk away, I'm not going to be nervous how I came across. I'm going to walk away saying, I came across great. You say that's self-delusion. It's better than anxiety. Let's live in bliss. Begin to speak a certain way. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's anger. Maybe, maybe it's, it's uh, depression. I'm not saying that those emotions aren't real, but I'm saying that your speech is more powerful than your emotions. And you can begin to turn the rudder out of those waters. You can say, I don't want to dock in the port of anxiety. I don't want to dock in the port of stress. I don't want to dock in the port of anger. So I'm going to turn my rudder for other waters. And eventually my life is going to begin to go into the direction that I'm speaking. One of my friends says, hey, get your words out in front of you. Don't let everything be reactive. Begin to prophesy. Get your words out in front of you and let them begin to steer you where you want to go. This is the foremost habit, and I'm telling you, it will begin to change your life. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Come on, we're not people of excuses. We're not people of excuses. Oh, well, this is how I am. This is how I well, always was. This is no, excuses are words that, uh, that are arguments to mediocrity. You need to challenge your own excuses because no one else will. Everyone else say, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm dealing with my own stuff. You need to challenge your own excuses. I'm not going to excuse myself down, excuse myself into isolation, excuse myself, uh, myself out of situations. I'm going to challenge my own excuses, and I'm going to speak powerful. I'm going to speak positive. I'm going to speak overcoming. Listen, this is more than the power of positive speech. This is using the foremost leader in your life to lead yourself where you want to go. You say amen? amen. One last illustration he uses. Uh, he says, but look at this, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. He's saying you have to be careful with your tongue because it can cause destruction. It can cause destruction. He says, look at how great a forest can be set ablaze by such a small fire. You know, forest fires don't begin large. 
They begin tiny with a spark. Last year, Redding, California had a huge fire. It was called the Car Fire. It had over $1.5 billion in damage. It, it, uh, it took out 1,700 structures. And do you know how it was started? When someone got a flat tire, the rim of their car scraped the asphalt, and the little spark hit some kindling, and all of a sudden, it set a giant portion of California ablaze from the smallest spark. And what, what James is saying is you need to get this thing under control or eventually this fire will get so out of control. It doesn't matter how good of a firefighter you used to be. It doesn't matter how many friends you have. You can get the whole church involved, but this thing will spread beyond you. Because here's the reality of your speech. Once you say it, you no longer have say over it. It will go and hurt people you didn't mean to hurt. It will go into places you didn't intend it to go. You must be very careful with this fire. You must tend it well. A small fire tended well can bring warmth, can bring food, can bring life. But if you let this thing get out of control, it could end up burning down your own home, which is predominantly where you have, let me say it this way, if you're going to start a fire in the backyard, you must be careful because the first place to go is going to be your own home. And it's just amazing to me how many times people will become vocal arsonists in their own home. They'll speak negative about their husband, negative about their wife, negative about their kids, negative about their boss, negative about their job in their own living room. And it's like you got that, that flamethrower and you're just hoping that this thing isn't going to catch something flammable. But if it does, your own home, your own life, that's what goes first. And then James says it's going to hurt people that you didn't even intend to. Once you shoot that arrow, you can't decide where it's going to land. You must be so aware with the constructive and destructive power of your own life because your little words can create massive destruction. And you are morally responsible for the consequences of your speech. You are morally responsible for the consequences of your own speech. We live in a nation where you do have free speech, and that's a, such a good thing. But just because you can say it doesn't mean you should say it. Just because you thought it doesn't mean you need to say it. You might need to bridle this thing because you want to go somewhere, and this speech won't help you get there. Listen, you could be like a warship, like James is saying. You, you could be powerful. You, you, could have, you could have everything. But if the rudder doesn't work, you will be absolutely ineffective in battle. It's the smallest thing that could take down Something huge. And, and James is saying, in the same token, that little fire can become massively destructive unless you begin to tame this thing. You get authority over this thing. Let me, let me just quickly run this down, and, and I'm going to end right here, but, but let me just throw some things at you because, because you might be saying, well, what, you know, what kind of speech sparks? Because speech sparks, and you have to be careful. What kind of speech sparks? You've you got to avoid some... Speech that sparks, if I could say it that way. And one, one speech that creates heavy sparks and it's playing with fire is gossip. you got to be careful about gossip because it's speech that sparks. Now, let me tell you, you don't have to know what everyone's doing. Can I just set you free? I'm going to just set you free today. In the spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. Right now, you're going to be set free. Just say this. Say, I don't know. Man, don't you feel free? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know why she's not going to that college. I don't, I don't know. It's freeing, isn't it? IDK, I don't know. It's the way to live. I'm going to do a series. I'm going to do a series called I Don't Know. I'm going to set all of you free. I don't know. I don't have to know. I don't want to know. I don't know. 
The Bible says you got to be careful because eating of gossip is like choice morsels. It's, it's, it's like candy. Don't you think it's interesting that when you're at the checkout aisle at Target, there's the candy right next to the gossip magazines? Don't you think that's interesting? It's like, it's like food choice mor- morsels and word choice mor- morsels, and both of them are bad for you, and both of them are impulse addictive by. And you got to be careful of that kind of stuff, especially in the church especially in the church, because let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is not going around telling everyone, hey, psh, 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 pray for them, pray for them. <laughs> you ever use prayer as an excuse to gossip? No, you're too holy. Pray for them. I'm just praying for them, you know. Be careful with the fire because you don't want to burn down your crew. You don't want to burn down the church. You don't want to burn down the people you love. I just want to be not salt water. I want to be fresh water over their life. I want to protect them. I don't want to be destructive near them. Speech that sparks, reactionary. Sometimes your tone matters more than you might think. Maybe you're saying the truth, but you're saying it the wrong time or the wrong way. You know, speaking through gritted teeth, speaking and yelling, you know. Um, let, me, let, me, let me end on this, but, but hate, anger. Don't you think it's interesting how articulate you get when you're really angry? It's the greatest speech you wish you never gave you got to control, put that cage down and say, I can't speak about this right now because my words will be destructive and that's not who I want to be. I want to be a life bringer. There's an incredible story at the end of, of, of the Bible, uh, at the beginning of the Bible in Exodus 15, where the, the, uh, the Jewish people had just come through the Red Sea and they were thirsty and they went to drink, but the waters that they drank of were bitter. And they said to Moses, we're going to die of thirst. And Moses came to God and said, what do I do? And God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a stick and throw it into the bitter waters, and they'll become sweet. James says, how can bitter waters become sweet? There's only one way. The cross, the wooden cross of Jesus Christ gets thrown into our bitter waters and makes them sweet. Amen? It's the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I'm not saying to do better. I'm saying to get your heart changed. And once your hearts get changed, all of a sudden, you got the power of this horse taking you a certain direction. you got a warship taking you to a, a, a right place. You, you, you're, you're able to not be destructive, but to be constructive. Why? Because Jesus is changing my heart. It's coming out of my mouth. And let me tell you, everybody wants to be around the person that has fresh water coming from them everybody wants to be about. I pray that is a mark on our church, that you come around us, there's sweet water around this place and out of our lives and out of our souls. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.